Men, why should we be devoted to our blessed mother? Some of the language is pretty verbose and oftentimes difficult to digest. Sam and I go into five reasons why we believe every man should be devoted to Our Lady today. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Gentleman Podcast. We are your co- your co-hosts, uh, Sam Guzman and John Hyden. And today we um, want to dive into a topic that uh, is sometimes a little unfamiliar to men, uh, but is absolutely relevant to men. Um, and that is the topic of our Blessed Mother uh, and why every man should be devoted to her. Uh, so... Uh, we don't have a guest today. It's just John and I. Um, but this is something that, uh, as we have some great Marian feasts here in the month of December, um, when this podcast will launch, uh, it's something that was close to our hearts and that we wanted to dive into. Uh, so without further ado, um, let's get started. Uh John, why should why should men be devoted to our blessed mother? Yeah, so I was telling Sam while we were preparing for this that there's uh, a lot of incredible quotes and incredible reasons and the church in her depth, you know, you could take years, honestly, and you should take years uh, discerning, uh, you know, how to deepen your devotion and better understand so that we might better love Our Lady. But I chose quotes today and I, in I, my preparation that were a little bit more direct, a little bit more um uh, let's say masculine in their straightforwardness. Um, and uh, so the first one that I was looking at was to start it out is the salvation of the world began through Mary and through her, it must be accomplished. And that's by St. Louis de Montfort. And I happen to be going uh, through my uh, total consecration to her uh, again. I've done it many times. My wife and I and my family do it um, together. My the two daughters are old enough and uh, they're going through the reconsecration here. And so um, it's just, and that's such a incredible statement and such a true statement. And one that when I, as a um, cradle Catholic, as they say, didn't adopt and didn't appreciate and didn't accept, honestly, all the way through college. I mean, I would pray the rosary, but I would, you know, it was more obligatory. It was less, you know, um, for reasons of love or or true devotion. And then you start diving into St. Louis de Montfort or St. Maximum Colby or St. Padre Pio or, you know, St. Therese or just any of St. Alphonsus, any of these incredible saints that just loved our lady so much. And it's like, wow, what, what do they have that I don't have? And it's infectious and, and I desire it. And so uh, I'm just grateful that we're talking about this today on the feast of the immaculate conception. And so the first way, the first reason that we should all be devoted to our lady is that because she is our mother and that one uh, I think is the easiest to accept, um, you know, grace perfects nature. And we've got our blessed mother that uh, Christ gave us on the cross. And we see that in scripture and we see that she is the mother of all creation. And we see that she is the um, mother of all uh, living and, and dead. And we're just so grateful to be a part of that. I know that St. Leo the Great stated that the same Holy Spirit 
the spousal love of our Blessed Mother um, is the same Holy Spirit that entered into the baptismal font when we are baptized. And when we are baptized, we are entered in as children of her. So the first way that I just wanted to briefly talk about and hear your thoughts on, Sam, is that our Blessed Mother is our mother. Yeah, absolutely. And you see this human instinct for um, not only a physical mother, um, which we we all have, um, and many men are greatly devoted to their earthly mothers. You know, you see the 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 stereotype of the the big biker dude in his leather leather vest, but then he's got a big mom tattoo on his arm. Um, it's definitely something that we can all relate to. Um, but but you also see this hunger within human beings for a spiritual mother as well. And, you know, this this kind of um, predates even Christianity. You know, you look at a lot of of ancient religions. They all had a, like a mother figure, you know, that yeah. that um, a mother, uh, you know, uh, that was a spiritual mother. And um, the, you see this fulfilled in Christianity with 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 the Blessed Mother. And this is why a lot of you know, pagan religions and things took like the Virgin Mary just made so much sense to them when they were first introduced to Christianity. And like to have a religion without a, like a spiritual mother just made no sense. Uh, and that's why, like with Protestantism, sometimes it was like a hard sell to like the, the missionaries yeah. would go around and like, well, God is your father. And they're like, well, yeah, but where's where's our spiritual mother? And like and like Catholicism, like I had that. So it just mm -hmm. made so much sense to to these cultures as as christianity was introduced to them that that of course you know you need a father but you also need a mother and catholicism provides that and growing up protestant you know it's not something i never like i felt it and yet i i um like i felt that something was missing and i couldn't quite put my finger on it um but it just there was like like i was especially grew up partially like, like calvinist mm. and calvinism is like a very masculine religion like if you yeah. look at all calvinists that are on the internet blogging about calvinism or like it's yeah. all men like women don't get excited about calvinism <laughs> nine out of ten. it's it's all men because it's all it's a religion of power ultimately like mm -hmm. god's sovereignty is like the primary attribute of god but there's there's no as in other words his power is his chief attribute mm. um and and yet it can be very psychologically damaging when when you don't have that balance of like compassion and, and love and motherhood and things like that, where you don't have that spiritual mother in your life. And so when I came into Catholicism, the Marian devotion was was one of the things that was was kind of hardest for me to wrap my mind around is like, is this really biblical? Is this really, you know, traditional to the Christian faith? Um, and yet once I understood it, it just fits so well, like with all these longings that I had that I hadn't even realized. Um, so yes, Mary, Mary is our mother, our spiritual mother. Um, yeah. And, well, um, it's, it's one of the most beautiful truths of our faith, but what, um, there's definitely some, yeah. some doctrines that are a little harder for guys to wrap their minds around. Like what, what are some of those other ones? Agreed. And, and before we jump on to the next one, cause something that you were saying about your, and I appreciate you sharing me your, you know, adoption or understanding of our lady as a Protestant converting to Catholicism. Thanks be to God. Um, 
you know, it was it was equally difficult uh, for me in in unique ways to understand the first book that I ever read um, about our Blessed Mother was St. Louis de Montfort's True Devotion to Mary. And this, you know, 200 page book or so, I encourage every man uh, to read it and to pick it up. But I tell you, the language he uses is over the top. I mean, it is it is really hard to digest. And if you're not used to that, it uh, like her being our mother was was the easiest thing for me to accept. So yeah, there there is a lot more that that can be a little bit more difficult and also a little bit more challenging to our our separated um brethren, you know, in in the Protestant circles and beyond. And I would say that uh, the first one or the next one uh, on our list is that she is immaculate and she is immaculately conceived and right. So we're celebrating that here on this feast day of, of the Immaculate Conception. And as um just going to the very basics of it, Men, that means that our lady was conceived immaculately. So when she was conceived in the womb of St. Anne, she was conceived without the stain of original sin. And so um, you say that, and that that becomes a, a huge stumbling block for so many. And it wasn't uh, declared dogma until 18... 50 something 1854 i did the math it was 168 years so i think that's 1854 uh, is when it was declared by um pope pius the ninth and um and he declared the dogma of her immaculate conception and then we saw a few years later at our lady of lords where she presented herself to saint uh bernadette and stated that i am the immaculate conception and um and this goes all the way back though to saint ephraim um to uh um to saint ambrose of milan uh, these individuals in the 300s were talking about her immaculate conception and we even have like suggestions of it in the in the hundreds and so this goes all the way back but it didn't uh be declared dogma until it was stamping out a certain heresy um and so we we get that in in the 1800s but yeah her being immaculately conceived i just like going to uh saint maximum colby right because uh he started the immaculata he was uh so passionately devoted to this um to, to our blessed mother and to the Immaculate Conception. And I was grateful to read this, this quote here where he says, when the fire of love is ablaze. And I want us to think about that, that fire of love. We've all experienced fire of love, right? It cannot be contained within the limits of the heart, but blazes forth and burns, consumes and absorbs other hearts. It conquers more and more souls over its ideal to the Immaculata. And so he was just so passionately involved and 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 committed to this that uh, that he just wrote about it. He reflected on it. He talked about how the Holy Ghost was the uncreated immaculate conception. Right? We know that the Father and the Son, and and you know, comes forth the the Holy Ghost, which is the uncreated immaculate conception. And he was this. And Maximilian Kolbe talks about how he uh, he was the spousal love of our Blessed Mother, and our Blessed Mother taking the you know the name of the of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, comes forth as I am immaculate conception not i am immaculately conceived but i am immaculate conception you know and she's the the bodily earthly you know manifestation of that love and and you know as our mother it's just it's it's beautiful it's something that we have to really pray for and see in the eyes of our faith right and as my love for catholicism and for the eucharist has grown 
and for the saints have grown. Uh, and of course, our blessed mother, the more and more I appreciate and understand that. Now, I will say that there's still things like I'll read St. Leonard of Port Maurice, who argued that he'd be willing to to die instantly in defense of the Immaculate Conception. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe not quite there. And so, you know, St. Leonard of Port Maurice, pray for me. And, um, you know, St. Alphonsus said something very similar prior to this uh, dogma ever being declared, you know, in his glories of Mary, he talked about that, that they'd even be willing to shed blood uh, for the sake of defending this this um, uh, dogma. So anyways, I, I think it's just beautiful. And that's the second reason that men should be devoted to Our Lady. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like uh, like you were saying about St. Maximilian and Colby, like it's, it's more like an identity than something that like happened to her. Like, like Mary is the Immaculate Conception. She is you know, St. Maximilian Colby goes so far as to say it's almost, she, he uses a pretty strong language, but he says he's almost like the, a quasi-incarnation of the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, which is which is very interesting. But basically, she's so united to the Holy Spirit, um, so so uh, kind of uh, imbued with the Holy Spirit that, yeah. that it's almost like, like the boundaries are blurred almost, you know, because she's so, um, so one with the Holy Spirit that, that, um, that that uh there's there's two persons there yes but there's um uh definitely an, an extremely intimate union that, that like defies our comprehension and i think that's one thing that's important to rec recognize here is there's a lot of academic uh theological works on the immaculate conception and um you know the friars of the immaculate conception um uh are are an order that's done a lot of work around this kind of carrying on say maximilian's legacy and developing these doctrines and and continuing them but i think one thing that's important to, to realize is that these aren't just theological abstractions or games like these are things that um are practical in the sense that you know as say maximilian colby was talking about like it's about love. It's about something that inspires love in our hearts and then inspires us to spread that love to others. Um, and the more you get to know the Blessed Virgin Mary, the more you get to know the Immaculate, uh, the more you will want to share that love with others. It just kind of radiates outward from you. And and so it's very practical in the sense that Maximilian Colby wasn't just sitting around theologizing he was a he was an evangelist. He was a missionary, yeah. um, and 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 what he was saying about love was absolutely true. I mean, in his time, he had the largest, probably still today, probably the largest friary in the world. He had um, like seven hundred friars there in his city of the Immaculate in Poland. Yeah. Um, but then he went, you know, to India. He went to Japan, and you know, he had this this grand vision of of like really the world being taken over by the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it was. You know, he had the he had a a million copies of his newspaper in print. Um, you know, he was definitely on the radar of the Nazis at the time because of the influence that he had through his media. Um, so all that to say that, like this again, these are very these are doctrines that are 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 beautiful, yes, but they're not just you know a dogma in a Vatican archive somewhere. These are. These are absolutely practical truths that are meant to change our lives and not just to um, get us thinking in, in abstractions. 
Yeah, well stated, Sam. I really appreciate you saying that because my tendency, just as my math brain is, is to is to is to keep them in abstractions and actually it's bringing them down into the reality of my lived experience that's actually uh always a little bit more difficult for me and you know you get what you put in um you get out what you put in and so the more i've devoted myself and the more i've required myself because one thing i do accept as a catholic man and i hope all the listeners here is that the church and her authority is right it is true and whether i can quite understand it comprehend it or believe it frankly, it doesn't matter. The church doesn't ask my opinion. And thanks be to God, because how many times in my life, in my daily life, am I wrong or I assume something contrary to, um, you know, the full view and reality of the of the situation. And so, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you bringing that down and, and reminding us, men, uh, the importance of of um making this a lived reality in our lives because that's what it's intended to be right it's all about a relationship it's all about love it's all about setting your heart on fire um not just abstractly but 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 quite literally right and we think of saint Gemma, right i think she was as she came too close to the eucharist once her shirt set on fire right i mean there are actual things that uh that physically happen you know in these situations to um uh to bring a, a deeper level of of reality and symbolism to our to our daily lives you know to that which we cannot see but but can can believe so um awesome well great well the the next number three on our list is that she is queen or she is the queen um and so i like to talk about this one because i just think you know obviously saint pius the 12th was the one who declared the queenship of mary on her feast day uh for a feast day and um and we see throughout all of scripture i've actually seen some protestants attempting to refute this but honestly it's it's so hard you know because they've never never received the Eucharist, right? They've never gone to confession. They've never experienced the sacraments um, to, to really take seriously. And when I read it, it's, it's a lack of typology. It's a lack of understanding of the role of our lady. And so very basically, I think it's easy for us men to understand. It's easy for me to understand that Christ is King of Kings and therefore, Our Lady, who is the Mother of God, the Mother of Christ, um, is uh, is the Queen. And we see throughout Scripture, uh, if you think about uh, King David, Old Testament, right? So if we talk about Bathsheba, right, who is the mother of Solomon, and uh, and she was the wife of King David, um, it, she uh, when at the beginning she bowed before King David and and pledged her allegiance and 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 her love and her fealty to to King David. But then uh, we see in in Second Kings uh, or no First Kings uh, the second chapter we see that uh, when she when King David died and now Solomon her son was made king, you know he comes forth before her and he says ask it my mother for i will not refuse you you know basically whatever you want um because and we see that throughout all the old testament men if you weren't aware uh a lot of prophets of old and and kings had concubines and many wives so it wasn't like they had 700 queens <laughs> if they had 700 wives they had there was one queen and it was the mother of the son and um and so uh, Our Lady is the Queen Mother. She is Queen. We celebrate her as Queen. We celebrate her as the most all-powerful intercessor of heaven, earth, and below. And that is reason number three that I feel like we should all be um, devoted to Our Blessed Mother. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, you see in, in Revelation 12, you know, the, the woman clothed with the sun, she has a crown of 12 stars on her head. I mean, uh, you don't usually have a crown on your head unless you're some kind of queen. So I think that's worth pointing out. Um, but also, I, you know, I think this one is a little hard for, for modern men to grasp because we're not, we don't live, especially American men, we don't live in a, in a monarchical society anymore. Um, and, and I know Queen Elizabeth just passed away, may she rest in peace, but, but still it's kind of foreign to our minds, like this idea of royalty and, 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 you know, and, and, um, the, but I think when, one thing that, uh, anyone who has had a queen will tell you is that it's it's something that is deeply like beloved um when you live in a country like you know how many like soldiers are like you know die for a queen in country or something mm-hmm. like that it was something that was um very powerful in 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 the mind of those who um lived in in nations with royalty and i think um the the point of of a of a queen though like what is what is the point of a queen and i think it's it's really someone who whose will you surrender to um and if you look at the examples of you know again old old testament queens but also in in throughout history um queens have always been sovereigns what does sovereign mean mm-hmm. it means someone who is powerful whose will is 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 more powerful than yours or someone who you submit your will to. And so I think the most important thing that we can take away from this doctrine, um, living as we do in kind of our uh, pseudo democratic society um, is that we ultimately surrender our will to the blessed mother. And you were talking about consecration and this is really what this is about is, is just offering your will to the blessed mother to do with as she pleases Um, and that's not a, a thing that weakens us in any way. And again, I keep going back to him, but he's, you know, one of my favorite saints, but St. Maximilian Colby talks about how, you know, how when you surrender your will to the Blessed Virgin Mary, it's like you, you almost become unlimitedly powerful because she's like unlimitedly powerful due to her relationship with her her son. And so it's like, she can work through you and then miracles can happen. So, so really it doesn't make you any weaker. It makes you much stronger than you would ever be on your own. Um, So, but again, I think the the takeaway from this doctrine is that um, is she is someone who we surrender our will to, we submit our will to, um, and, and then she can work through us and kind of her great battle against Satan. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely, I like that idea of surrender or obedience, right? The virtue is that as our queen, if we come to accept that truth, which we should, then we we owe her our allegiance. We owe her our obedience. And, and but, you know, Maximilian Colby, and actually we're going to be talking about that when we go into this next one, but yeah, that that we can surrender to her will and and be instruments of God's grace, you know, to this this earth. And um, I remember being powerfully affected by that when I would read uh, Saint Louis de Montfort, which is all about being a slave to Our Lady's will, 
a willful slave. I'm okay with that. That sounds that sounds good. I can submit to that. But then Maximilian Colby seems to take it a step further when he talks about being an instrument of grace. And frankly, that's it's all I want to be now as well. And um, and so yeah, I, I think that's great. And actually, let's move on to to the next point. If if you want to start us out with the next point about her mediatrix. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I want to say before I we move on to the that next yeah. uh teaching is um wrestle with these doctrines a little bit. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously there's a there's kind of a, a an ascent of faith, you know, the church teaches these things and and we like you said we kind of uh submit to the church's teaching, but it's also okay to wrestle with these doctrines um and study them and work them out for yourself like it's okay and that will actually deepen your faith i I think when you engage with these doctrines and say you know this is hard this is hard for me to um accept or understand or integrate into my life that's like wrestle with it and i think when you come out the other side of that like your faith will be strengthened and it will grow deeper um, so don't believe it just because we're telling you, but 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 engage with it yourself and like really come to believe these at the level of conviction um, and and experience. Um, but the next the next one is that Mary is mediatrix, and this is another uh, difficult one for many to swallow. But but I remember when working in an art gallery once and seeing this painting. It was an altarpiece. Um, uh, and it was a beautiful painting, but it was it was Jesus on the cross, and and blood was coming out of his side, and Mary was standing at the foot of the cross, and she was kind of like receiving that and distributing it to the whole church. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just a beautiful <clears throat> image of this idea of being of Mary as mediatrix of all graces, and and again, same as when Colby talks about how like no grace comes to us. No grace, not a single one that uh, doesn't come to us through the hands of Mary. And, um, you know, that is uh, a strong teaching, but it's it's also one that has um, doctrinal warning that goes all the way back to the earliest days of the church. Um, but this idea that, that Mary, like Christ has, there's all these graces, like this ocean of graces that he's obtained for us. And and Mary though is the one that he is given to distribute that. Um, And so anytime we want to grow, anytime we want grace, it's coming to us through Mary, whether or not we're recognizing that. But if that's true, all the more reason to recognize that and call Mm -hmm. on her when we Mm -hmm. have need of grace, which we all do every day. Um, So so the practical teaching of this is call on Mary when you need help, when you need grace in your life because she is the source she is uh the channel through which all graces come to us and and if you reject that idea uh there probably won't be a lot of of graces coming your way yeah yeah no and i love that i think uh, saint bernadette right we talk about um no sorry yeah the miraculous metal we talk about the miraculous metal and how there's those graces those rays of lights coming forth from our hand her hand and our lady uh stated that uh so many of those grays those rays are darkened because they're just not requested so men request those graces from our blessed mother um yeah when i was reflecting on this uh mediatrix of all graces um hope comes to mind 
line for me, right? Because the more I realize my failings, the more I realize my inability to um, achieve, you know, uh, holiness by myself or, you know, you know, doing things on my own, uh, the more I realize the need for our Blessed Mother to guide me, right? And so I think that's that's just one of the such of the beautiful things about this teaching is that we understand our own failings and we humbly submit ourselves, uh, you know, in prayer and in trust uh, about that we are tarnished and we are imperfect and we are in need of confession and we are in need of graces and all those things. And when we give it forth to our lady, she can perfect that she can perfect our prayers. We also oftentimes go to um, God in prayer, seeking things, right? Like I want this, I need this, you know, do this for me. And maybe that's not the best thing we need for the salvation of our souls, but our lady knows what is the best thing we need. And so when we trust ourselves to her, when we use her as she is the mediatrix of all graces, then our prayers are perfected. And that grace, which is brought forth into our lives is more perfect and is going to have much greater efficacy um, than on our own. And, um, and I do, and in thinking about hope, I love St. Alphonsus. I bring him up often and he talked about our lady and he said, uh, modern heretics can not endure that we should salute Mary in this manner by calling her our hope and our mediatrix hail our hope space nostra salve and we do we hear that in the in the um in the hail holy queen right we talk about her being our hope and we talk about her you know being all of that for us and we do we have that hope in her because she loves us right so that's another thing right the church is taught that she is um the uh, the queen of mercy but not of justice, right? Christ is the king of justice and mercy, but Our Lady is of mercy. And actually, while I'm talking here, I think of that that adorable story of, of Padre Pio used to tell all the time. And if you haven't heard it, it's great. You should Google it. But I'm going to tell it briefly to you is that, you know, one time God was walking through paradise and he looked over and he saw some sinners that he didn't feel should be there. And he looked at St. Peter and he said, why are the, how are these sinners getting in? Um, and uh, and St. Peter's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'll, I, I promise, you know, vigilancy. Uh, the next day goes around. God's going through paradise. Paradise, and he looks around, he sees some more new sinners that he feels shouldn't shouldn't be there. And he looks at St. Peter and he says, what's happening, St. Peter? Why are these the additional see? Uh, and so St. Peter is, is humbled and humiliated. And, and he says, I promise maximum vigilancy. And then the next day he comes around, he sees more sinners. He goes to St. Peter. He's going to take away the keys, <laughs> the kingdom from St. Peter and, and make an example. And St. Peter, of course, this is all a humorous story. But um, and St. Peter had now figured out the the reason why these sinners were getting through. And St. Peter looked at, at God and said, um, at night when people are asleep, your lady is opening the door. Your mother is opening the door and letting them in. And when it comes to your mother, I can do nothing. And God said to him, and neither can I. And so we look to our Blessed Mother for her, for, uh, her help and her guidance and her strength as mediatrix of all graces. Thanks be to God. So, Yes, exactly. And um, there's there's something else that I want to mention too that I that it's coming to mind that I think is important for men to especially realize. We, we've talked about Maximilian Kolbe, we've talked about Louis de Montfort, of course. There's many other saints. Uh, personally, like I don't know if Louis de Montfort would have been a saint if he hadn't been devoted to Our Lady. He was an intense guy. Mm -hmm. He had a temper. He was just he was fierce. He was fiery. Like. He probably would have been a really bad guy had he not been mm, devoted to our Blessed Mother. And I think, you know, our, as men, like we have, we can have a hard edge sometimes. And I and I know 
guys who just kind of give into their aggressiveness and things like that um, and for various reasons. But, you know, the beautiful thing about being devoted to the Blessed Mother is that she she softens you in a sense, in a good way, a healthy way. Like, like being being devoted to um, the queen of the universe, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it, it softens you, though. Like, she, she loves you. She teaches you how to love and to be compassionate. Um, and you look at the knights like uh, of old, like the the the, the crusaders and the, the chivalrous knights of centuries uh, past. They had they understood that, and they were they were fierce fighting men, yes, but they had been softened by devotion to Our Lady, and they were able to um, help the weak and and um, and defend those who were defenseless. Um, and they weren't they weren't brutes, you know. And I mm-hmm. think men have a the ability. All of us have the ability to become jerks, to be brutes, Amen. you know, mm-hmm. to be completely insensitive to the needs of others. And yet, I think one of the beautiful things about devotion to our Blessed Mother is that it it does teach us uh, to love in the right way, and to especially to treat women in the right way. Um, yeah. I can't imagine a man who's devoted to the Blessed Mother ever. Uh, abusing a woman in any way um, yeah. or taking advantage of them uh, it's just simply not possible yeah. um, so so just just a thought there I, that's not really related to Great. her as a mediatrix of all graces per se but I just something I wanted to no I think it's a perfect segue though into our last point right and I, I it is actually because the last point that that we're bringing up of why men should be devoted to our blessed mother is because she is the sure, simple, and perfect way to Christ. And so this is uh, something that comes uh, from St. Louis de Montfort. I'll just read the quote here. Uh, this devotion is an easy, short, perfect, and secure way of attaining union with our Lord. It is the way which Jesus Christ himself trod in coming to us and in which there is no obstacle in reaching him. It is true that we can attain divine union by other roads, but it is by many more crosses and strange deaths and with many more difficulties, which we shall find it hard to overcome. And that's St. Louis de Montfort. And I love that quote. I've read that quote so many times because I, I need that, right? It's like exactly what you're saying. If you're, you can be hard-hearted, if you can be um, obstinate at times, if you can, if your um, pride, it really does uh, take precedence in in situations and in life and it's something you're you're working towards. Um, you know, I like the fact that St. Louis de Montfort says you can obtain holiness, you know, through other methods, but it's a lot harder. And hey, I'm, I'm, I'm okay then going the easy, sure, perfect, and secure way. I also love the thought, and I've spent many hours reflecting on the fact that it's the way our Lord Jesus Christ took. You think about, he was nine months in her womb, umbilical cord attached, you know, receiving blood from our Blessed Mother, as St. Louis de Montfort goes into great detail. And then we know that from the ages of 12 until 30, he was he was subject and silent to to St. Joseph and our Blessed Mother. I mean, the the primary years of his life, the, I'm sorry, majority uh, years of his life, he was he was living in devotion and into respect and uh, uh, with the Blessed Mother. And if that doesn't give us that example that that we all need, um, I don't know what does. So. Yeah. Um definitely i uh heard a story too from saint francis that's very similar to uh what saint louis de montfort said where he talks about saint francis talked about 
uh, two ladders to heaven. Uh, one was was the white ladder, and one was the red ladder. And the red ladder is like the way of like all this penance and sacrifice, and like um, some of the things you read about, like the Desert Fathers doing, and and you know just fasting on bread and water and like you know and just going off and living in a cave somewhere okay that's one option yeah if you feel inspired go for it um the other option is the white ladder which is devotion to mary um yeah. it gets you to the same place a whole lot faster a whole lot uh quicker um and with a lot less uh agonizing so um obviously uh you're free to choose whichever route you want but i think i'm going to take the white ladder so me too uh <laughs> me too oh that's so good no i appreciate it um and uh so i mean my last quote the thing that i like to leave with is another saint maximilian colby and i mean there are literally and by their fruits they will know them right there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of saints that had such incredible devotion saint thomas aquinas being one of them saint therese um, you know, but St. Maximilian Coley finished with union with the Immaculate to be an instrument of her Immaculate hands. Here is the secret which guarantees success. And so, you know, I just hope to to leave men with that um, statement and with that um, challenge to uh, to to struggle with with these teachings and these beliefs. So, yeah. That's that's awesome. So my my last quote I do want to share is from Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, a doctor of the church. Uh, I just love this quote. In dangers, in doubts and difficulties, think of Mary, call upon Mary. Let not her name depart from your lips. Never suffer it to leave your heart. And that you may obtain the assistance of her prayer. Neglect not to walk in her footsteps. With her for guide, you shall never go astray. While invoking her, you shall never lose heart. So long as she is in your mind, you are safe from deception. While she holds your hand, you cannot fall. Under her protection, you have nothing to fear. If she walks before you, you shall not grow weary. If she shows you favor, you shall reach the goal. I don't know what else needs to be said. I don't either. You know, they all play together for the betterment of our lives as men striving for holiness. So... Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Sam, for, for your wisdom and your thoughts. And I'm glad yeah, that we could be you, here. Thank you, John. This is a great conversation. Yeah. And as we end each of our episodes. Be a man, be a saint.